Hi, I'm JD. This is ChimeraCast, a production of the Chimera Collective. If you enjoy our podcast, please consider leaving us a review on your favorite podcatcher. We also have merch available and just launched our Patreon. For backing, you'll gain access to our Discord and the ability to vote on upcoming Seasides. You can also get an RSS feed for an unabridged table-side version of the podcast, which includes all our banter, rules discussions, and session debriefs. We'll also have game readings and occasional exclusive Seasides in that feed. Links to the details and our social media are in the show notes. Hi, I'm Zach. I'm playing Emilio Moretti, the bard. Hi, I'm Ryan. I'm playing Urzidi, the spellblade. Hi, I'm Nathan. I'm playing Kevin Belaskis, the shaman. I'm JD. I'm your dungeon master for this game. This is ChimeraCast, a Dungeon World actual play podcast. Last time, Uruzidi and Kimin were exploring this crumbling tower that you made your way down into the basement of. You found a hole which you began to travel down where Kimin, you encountered a rat man creature. There was a slight scuffle. It cut off two of your fingers and stole some soul glass rings and scampered on down. Uruzidi, you had a symbol also stolen from you. You had like a talisman hanging on your belt that was stolen. So then the two of you decided to pursue the rat creature down into this tunnel and you lost your glaive, slid down ahead of you. And then the two of you made your way, had just kind of come into a wider opening in the cave. Meanwhile, Melio, after having fallen off the ledge, followed the river of tar along until you could climb up out of the ravine. You did so, and you were in the middle of a dead, burnt-out forest. You encountered some skeletons that were chopping trees down and got into a scuffle with one. Using a hanged man to your advantage, you managed to escape and make your way back following a road marked by columns, and you made your way back to the tower that you had left your compatriots at. Uruzidi and Kimin, you have the last stretch of the tunnel that you were traveling through was an almost vertical section that you used rope to climb down or make your way down. And then you had come through a little crevice that opened up into a larger cavern. And in your lantern light was reflected many shining eyes within this cavern. But you can see little else other than the stonework, at least because you have that kind of narrow focused lantern. But you do hear almost a hushed chittering coming from below you. There's kind of a a stone and earthen ramp leading downward to the floor of this cavern. What do you guys do? We need to find Talon. We're like backed up a little bit and hoping they didn't like follow us up here, right? It's way too many for us to fight at once. (laughs) No, I don't think you understand. Talon is special. Just a hunk of a sharpened iron won't do. 
of sharpened iron. They're different. We need to go find it. One of those little freaks most certainly took one. There has been something I've been trying to say this whole time. We can't just barge in. They speak. Maybe ask them for it back. Very well. You wait here, and if I need help, I'll scream. Nathan knows this isn't going to go well, but Kim and nods. <laughs> Urizidi looks around, because I have this lantern. I open the aperture or whatever on it so that it's like casting more of a beam of light. And I'm going to see if I can see one of these rat people with my beautiful glaive talon. Sure. Go ahead and give me a discern reality. Let's just start it off right. Cool. That is a five. <laughs> oh, I can't even help you. Yes. Go ahead and mark XP. There is, as you shine this light across these mini rat faces of all shapes and sizes, in the beam, I think, of your, your light, you see that many of them have growths or sores, uh, patches of missing fur on them. There's a kind of stunned silence almost, and then a rapid scampering as these rats go scattering, and they seem to disappear into the walls. Many of them, you notice, grab things before leaving, much of it from a small pile of what may be collected objects, but quickly they disappear. I don't want any trouble. I just would like to speak to whoever is in charge around here so that my fucking nose can stop bleeding. A voice says something from somewhere in the cavern. Your kite does not belong here. Go. There's like a stalactite that's been broken off, or stalagmite, and Urizidi is going to go sit on that. Not without my weapon. I think emerging into your beam of light as you sit down is a rather large rat creature. It wears a tattered cloak of black. It has pieces of old, rusted, broken armor draped across it. You go. I do have the racial move for human. Oh, oh no. no. Tales of your legend are already beginning to spread. When you enter a new settlement, someone who's heard of you has a job for you. All right. With these rat people in this clearly a rat people settlement, <laughs> have heard of Urazidi and have a job for Urazidi that they would let him do in exchange for my weapon back. Or be just like willing to exchange it for something else. If you can role play to get there, but they're not just going to be like, oh, you, you're Urazidi. We'll give you a job. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, all, all you've done is said, Give me my weapon back, you fucks, is basically... Yeah, (laughs) worst case scenario, you might have to punch some rats in the face, yeah. Cool, cool. But I will say, yes, these are civilized creatures to an extent. Gotcha. They're not just mindless monsters. You seem like a reasonable fellow. I know you have it. So what do you need to give it back? I have a few trinkets... I think Urazidi starts pulling out some bullshit. Like, he pulls out his vial of, with a little glint left in it and, like, eh, not going to give that to him and puts that back. <laughs> but he's got, like, you know, some brooches and, like, vanity pieces, like, almost costume jewelry kind of stuff. Lots of shiny things. Yeah, he's doing a colonialism right now. And Hey, they're like, look at these beads <laughs> that I have. Stick belongs to Rat King, but trade okay. You hear the rat creature speak into the shadows, a chittering, a chattering. What looks to be a gray-furred 
rat comes out and lays the glaive down at the feet of this big rat. And then it has a carved bone stick, and it draws a line between you and the glaive. And uh, what exactly do you want in trade for it? Must be. And the rat seems to think, strong if you want it. You want me to fight you for it, I assume? No, can fight you and take it. You want trade. It takes its bone club and taps three spots on your side of the line. Like it needs three things. Perhaps. Kimmin, what are you doing? You're watching this, obviously. Kimmin has the pendant that Babadia is stuck in, thumbing at the crack. He's been narrating the entire time. Well, Babs, I really thought that he was going to get just stabbed to death down there, trying to decide whether or not to help him. Are you looking out for more than just one of us? Kind of squints at Urizidi as you're walking around. Maybe he's more useful than even I thought. Urizidi in the three spots that he tapped. In one of them, I'm going to put ten coins. In the other, I'm going to put one of the grass paper etchings that I have. That has whatever kind of knowledge on it, right? And then in the last one, Urizidi pulls off of one of his fingers a large brass ring that's used for wax pressings. This ring will get you a hearing with the Emperor of Ashkashar. And he puts it in the last spot. This large rat crouches down and grabs your glaive and holds it out across the line to you. You can see that its hand has some open sores on it. Is anything else wrong? Is Urzidi getting worse, or is it still just this, like, bleeding nose? Once you uh, put the cloth up your nose, it hasn't been particularly bad. Okay. It's definitely not getting worse. Urzidi takes the glaive. As that happens, a couple of paws scramble into your lantern light and snag those objects that you put down. Uh, yes, yes, take take what's yours. Now, uh, you seem to be sick as well. Is what is ailing me, ailing you? And Urzi pulls out a couple more coins and like rubs them together and like holds them out towards the big rat person. It snatches them almost impossibly quickly, <laughs> but then says, Not sick. Hairless ones, die. King, save us. Go, get out, or we'll kill you. Would your king be willing to save a hairless one for a favor? No. Rats only. My friends and I may be able to end the thing threatening you if you'll at least tell me what's going on. Your king is obviously not doing a very good job of saving you since it appears you're still sick. Not sick. You look sick. You look sick. I am sick. Go, hairless one, get out. And it points its bone club up the tunnel that you came down through. Kimmin talking to Babadia kind of whispering to himself, but loudly. Yeah, now might be the time to listen to him. I think I've started sharpening my knife in the crack on the crystal. Sighing, Urizidi is going to, he like backs his way up this tunnel, and he bows to the big rat shallowly, and then turns and like runs up the tunnel to Kimmon. Yeah, Kimmon holds out a hand and helps you climb back up. They don't seem to be in much of a helpful mood. Kimmon holds up his his bloody bandaged hand. No shit. You did good, though. Melio. 
You've come, at last, once again, to the tower. You can cross the bridge and head over to the door, if you so choose. Not too far from where you fell. What do you do? I look around me, look for tracks in the dirt going back across the bridge and heading. Don't see them. They haven't even made it out of there. Gods be damned. When I saunter across the bridge and make my way into this damn keep. The door is, I think, still slightly ajar from these two entering. And you're greeting with the same scene. There's a stairway up with some crumbled stairs along the inside. There is a hole and some stairs down. Otherwise, this is set up as sort of a den. There's a table, some chairs, old rotted wood, and then some old tomes. A silver sigil of a bird skull is inlaid on one of the stones up above the hearth. Does that have any significance to me? It is a symbol of death as established in session two, I believe. Don't suppose this is where he sleeps. And I go over and I pet the head of this silver bird skull that's mounted on the wall. It gives you a little bit of a chill. An icy wind suddenly coming across your body. I retract my hand from the skull itself. Come on, Melio. You don't know what's cursed around here. There's probably a bunch of blood on the floor from ZD's nose, right? Or is he just bleeding out all over this whole fucking tower? Oh, fuck There's yeah. like a trail going up the stairs <laughs> That's and down great. the stairs. That's yeah. great then. That's a great transition <laughs> scene. As I pull my hand away and look around again, I just see fresh blood on the floor. Uh, ZD! Kimmin! Where the hell is this girl? Hopefully this isn't theirs. I have a question. Are we using this as a way to bring everybody back together or? Not yet. I want Melio to be able to explore the tower as well individually. Okay. You guys were gone for a minute, I think. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll make my way upstairs. Yeah. Other than the occasional crumbling step that cracks a little more under your boots, you make your way to the top. It is, as I described before, quite Spartan. There's not really anything up here. It has a low wall that you could duck behind if there were intruders or some such attempting to attack the tower. Other than that, it's made of the same stone. It does potentially give you a good view of the vulture lands from where you're at. Melio's not one to pass up a view. What do I see across the expanse of the vulture lands? So yes, once again, we will be surveying the vulture lands. We will roll plus one for each of these. A previous hit on a spout lore or discern realities in the current location. You haven't done that. A high vantage point or other means of farsight. You are doing that. The party is rested after camping for the night. Definitely not. <laughs> a helpful or persuaded NPC is present. Nope. Anything else you can convince the GM should help you. That's up to you. Nope, I don't think so. I think I'm just doing plus one. All right. Go for it. 11. Fantastic. Hell yeah. So on a 10 plus, the GM will describe all sites connected to your current location. From the top of this watchtower you see three different spots that you can go to in the Vulture Lands. The first, you see a massive skeleton off to one direction, being slowly carried along. You see the road leading on the other side of the bridge toward the burnt-out forest you just came from. Lastly, you see the road heading off past this tower on this side of the bridge toward what looks like a structure built out of bones. Not like the skeleton, but like planted bones in the earth. 
Milio looks back and forth between the bones planted in the earth and the giant skeleton and the bone forest. What, is everything just dead here? Then he kicks the dirt. There doesn't seem to be anything else up here. There does not. Milio, kind of frustrated, turns around and follows the blood that I think he's followed up and around the room in a little circle. And then you watch it go back down the stairs. And I'll walk back down the stairs, get back to the main foyer, and see that the blood probably trickles on downstairs as well. <sighs> All right. And then I just I just walk into the basement. So yeah, as you go down the stairs, you find those same four rooms as previously described. So there is one with multiple beds. There is one that is an armory. There is one that is uh, storage which with some chests. And there is one that appears to be a cell. And as you come downstairs, you are also hit with that pungent, pungent odor. Ugh. I don't like this. I don't think I have a light. Do you have adventuring gear? Absolutely not. I took halfling pipe leaf instead. Oh, that was a way better decision. Than <laughs> adventuring gear. Fuck yeah. adventuring gear. Fuck a rope. I do think you need to be able to smoke the pipe leaf, I would point out. Yeah. Spray of matches. Or like a uh, punk or whatever. Hmm. I like that, actually. That's an excellent interpretation. I think at a certain point, this uh, blood trail will stop. Because I believe you plugged your nose when you came down here. Yeah. There is a spot of blood in... I don't think you can see the back wall of the prison yet. You will be able to. Oh, because didn't you like slap the wall with your fucked up hand? or Maybe, but I don't know. I got my fingers fucking cut off. I probably bled all over the fucking place. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I think we were discussing how you're going to see down here. Yeah, I've got this punk. Is there anything I can light around the area? Like a stick or... You said there was a storage There's area? There's a storage area. Oh, you might shit. be able to find something in there. Yeah, it's just some cloth and a cloth and a wood stick. Can't really see. Um, so you're just using the slight light of this punk to try and... Hell yeah, I am. There was a book in the foyer. There's that. If you need a quick burst of light... Fuck with the book. Wait, was the book magical? Potentially. I don't know why I'm bleeding, but I failed looking in that book, and now my nose is bleeding eternally, and I want to see if it's because of the book or if it's because of the skeleton thing touching me. And if you start bleeding because you fuck with the book, that will let me know. This is completely OOC. I'm down with Ryan metagaming as long <laughs> as his character is. No, no, no. This is Ryan metagaming. Obviously, Rosidi is incredibly book smart, but also a huge fucking dumbass. So, <laughs> Yeah, I'll go back upstairs. There's a book on the table or whatever. I'll grab yeah. that. I need some short-term flames. At least help you look around down here. Yeah. Also, I like a character igniting a book and using it as a torch. That's kind of just a cool silhouette. I go back upstairs. I get this book. You grab the book and begin burning the pages out of it. It goes up very easily. These pages are old and dry and brittle. Very old, in fact. And it's going to give you a little bit of light, but not for too long. And you said you were going to go check out this storage room, it sounded like? Yeah, totally. If you're down there, I think I'll just give you three adventuring gear. You're going to definitely be able to find useful things down here. If you want to explore a little deeper than that, you totally can. Uh, like I said, there are chests as well as some boxes. But yes, you can take some supplies. Cool. I'll take the adventuring gear, and I'll use one right away just to make a makeshift torch. There are chests and things in here. Yeah. Does it seem like a place where they just kept everything? Like, is the food storage here, too? or It would have been, yeah, although that is long, rotted, or broken into, right? Oh, no, absolutely, yeah. But yeah, it seems like this was where they stored all their valuables. 
if you're looking at things, I can give you more than that. Yeah, I want to poke around in here and see what see what's going on in the storage room. Give me discern realities. My discern reality score is hey, it's a zero. That ain't bad. Are we a low wisdom group? No, uh, I rolled a a six. I think as you are maybe pushing around some of these boxes, trying to find anything of use or of more interest, as you push a crate away, you do see a chest behind there with an X scratched across it. However, as you move this crate to examine things in this room, there's a sudden shaking and a few stones fall away and you feel the tower lurch. Hell yeah. Pardon me? The tower The tower's gonna fall. (laughs) Great. You just feel it lurch. Oh, okay, great. It's not like actively falling around you right now, but it's unstable, you realize. Fear runs throughout my body, but the exhilaration of the treasure in front of me. Can I get this chest? You could probably pick up the chest. I don't know how you're going to do that and carry a torch at the same time. Wait, I don't, I don't want to carry this chest. I want to open this chest. Oh. Can I do that? It's locked. Oh, bullshit. Did you give her fail in two rolls? One roll. Only fa- yeah, fuck hey, you. Can you make an ink key to open it? No, I don't think that's within my power spectrum. Oh. No. I think that's too much. I kind of agree. It's the problem where you dip into mage. What's a bard's, like, shtick? Well, I think also with the arcane art, I look at what I'm trying to do, and then I think I'm allowed to conceptualize something around, like, a bonus, a thing like that. Like, this is how, like, when I gave you wings and I wanted it to be a plus one to your attack, it was like, narratively, I'm not trying to give you wings to fly across the canyon, right? Like, to, right, to right, defeat right. a thing. It, I'm it's trying like to. You're tapping into the, like, a legend or something, yeah. and making that real. Yeah, and I'm just trying to be actionable more I, than just, like, yeah. Oh, that makes sense to me. Yeah. 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 It was cool, though, Ryan. No, no, yeah. An ink mage is sweet. I think that is way cooler I, I than what I have origami mage fucking written down, yeah. and it's because I think that uh, would be a origami fucking page rad dope. character yeah. eventually. In a court-based game, that would be insanely cool. You said some rocks fell from the... Yeah. How much do I got to push for one of these rocks to be, uh, let's say, um, kind of sharp? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I'm going to put down my torch on the ground. I'm going to grab a, a particularly jagged rock. And I guess I don't know what uh, in the Bronze Age what a lock consisted of for a treasure chest. It's pretty simple. Yeah, you can you can break this lock. I'm not going to. I'm going to just break it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You break this lock off. So you're going to open this chest up, I assume? Yeah, that's what's happening. Inside, as you open this chest up, you open it and peering out from within is what appears to be a mask-covered set of eyes. And then you kind of grab your torch and look at it a little more closely. And two little paws come up over the chest and hop out. This is a particularly fat raccoon. Aww. What do you do? Does it look sick? No. Just a raccoon? Just a chubby boy? Yeah, like real fat. Real fat. Uh, What? <laughs> I think I get a little bit like, Ugh. and then he kind of crawls out. Yeah, it kind of is like sniffing around. How long have you been in there? It's reaching for your pack. Eh, no, 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 no. I put my pack behind me. It looks up at you and gives you sad eyes. I don't have any food. You have adventuring gear. Can I use adventuring gear for food? You guys have supplies, I think, right? Like, you don't need to have dungeon okay, rations, cool. whatever. Don't use an adventuring gear, especially since you found the adventuring gear here, and I specifically said all the food was rotted. Good idea. Yeah. Cool. I'll break off a little piece of food. Are you hungry, little guy? 
What do you think the food is? Oh, what the food is? Just describe it a little bit, yeah. The food is, my immediate thought was like, basically chips. Bread that's baked to keep for a long time to give us something. Let's actually think. What would we have gotten from the Dwarven City of Law? That's interesting. It's actually fruit skin jerky, like dried fruit skin, basically. Yeah, it grabs at the fruit greedily and begins chomping down on it. You feel a radiation of thanks. Hmm. How long have you been down here? It looks up at you and just... Just trapped in a box, huh? When he's kind of just greedily eating on the food, I look at him, see he's a chubby little boy, and see he's greedily eating like he was hungry, and I'm like, he's in a locked box. Is there anything inside this box? There's nothing else inside that box. It was just this raccoon. Well... You're free now. And I like gesture up the hallway. (laughs) If you want to go, you can go. I'm looking for my friends. I don't suppose you heard anything come through these hallways. Why am I talking to a raccoon? (sighs) I think this is really going on in Emilio's head because Emilio saw his black gates and this is the first thing that he's talking to (laughs) that isn't like trying to kill him. (laughs) So I think he's just like having one of those existential crisis moments. Well, you're from, like, a town, too, right? Where I don't think it's absurd to think that this is the beginning of the raccoon infestation. I think it's also worth noting that, yeah, he's also from a town that is highly performative, right? They're definitely trained animals. But he comes from street urchin culture of entertainment. Like, I'm sure I saw a whole bunch of animals that were intelligent enough to respond to certain things. So he probably is all right at engaging with creatures. Both existential crisis, but also... I've seen raccoons do some really, like, cognizant things before where I'm like, do you understand me? (laughs) So I think at that, recognizing his own ridiculousness as he's just talking to this raccoon after feeding it, I call out for my friends again, trying to get their attention. I've told this raccoon he's free to go, and I think I just move on my way. It's still chewing on that piece of fruit you gave it as you wander back, shouting for your friends. Uruzidi and Kimin, I think you hear Emilio's voice echoing down the tunnel as you're crawling your way back through it. Hold up. What now? Someone's saying our names. <laughs> Zidi! Kimin! Oh, shit. <laughs> I wonder who that could be. Kimin is, like, squinting at you. Who is it? Sounds like Melio. Perhaps in this place, his spirit was, uh, uh, more restless than, uh, it would have been normally for a dead person. How many spirits do you think I've heard? Maybe it's possessed his body and he's still, you know, functionally alive, but he was dead for a minute when I looked. (laughs) Kimmon is gotten very close to you. You know what happens when a dead person's spirit inhabits their own alive body? They're just regular old alive. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me right now, why did you say that Melio was dead? Because it seemed like it would have been a lot of work to get him up the cliff side, and I wanted to see what was in the tower. Uh, Listen, maybe we should go see our friend? Uh, again, but before we make any rash decisions. Kimmin literally grabs your ear. (laughs) 
Like a school teacher? Yeah. I'm going to grab you by the ear. We're not very far from the entrance. I'm going to grab you by the ear, grab the lantern, and drag you up into the prison cell. Ow! 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 Stop it! Now you are harming the royal personages. Not responding to you at all. Helio! Come on! As we come out into the light of your torch in the prison cell. Helio! (laughs) By the gods, I thought you guys were dead. Funny you should say that. I haul ZD out, like, by his ear and push you forward on it. Then you stumble a little bit and fall on the ground. ZD here told me that you had died. You looked dead in my defense. I told you to meet me where the river met and the sun rose. Well, yes, but that was a little confusing. And exploring the tower was supposed to be more interesting. We're going to get the scene where ZD is saying this over my shoulder as I turn away for a second, and then I'm just going to turn around and just clock him right across the face. I obviously am not stopping you. Yeah, I'm not going to make you roll damage or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. (coughs) I am the- Shut the fuck up, kid. Are you kidding me? You wanted to leave me to die in these vulture lands. Because it was more interesting to investigate this tower? How about I leave you down here with your little bloody nose or whatever's happening instead of taking care of you? Perhaps I deserve that. But you're alive, aren't you? It all worked out in the end. You know, you once told me that you came from royalty. That you had some kind of destiny that you were seeking. I call bullshit. You spout lies to me about providence, about things happening, everything's gonna be alright. You've never seen a true Jarl, have you? A true ruler. If you would have left me for dead, then I would have been dead. And if you would have seen me now, I would have also been dead. And usually I play the part of this at the court of the fool. That's what you fucking are. You're a goddamn joke. Some man who rubs two coins together to try and get his way and hope daddy doesn't punish him too much. You haven't had to sacrifice anything in your life, have you? This is the hardest thing you've ever had to deal with. Fuck you. And if you ever do this type of shit to me again, I will have no problem allowing you to pass beyond and see whatever god you want to believe in. Think of me what you will, but your Jarl is just a flea-bitten top dog of a small pack, little different than the insignificant wretches of that little city-state of Lugo. And yes, gold can pay for anything, even 10,000 crucifixions. Kim in, how you doing? I'm good back here. I've gone back to sharpening my knife in the in the crook of Babadia's stone. I don't feel a need to interject here. I know I've been kind of backseat this whole time, but this has been good stuff, so I don't feel bad about that. Right on. I will interject when I feel it's necessary, which is probably not too far off. They're all just fucking numbers to you, aren't they? The only life that matters to some son of royalty is his own. 10,000. Do you even know what that is? Do you even know? Do you even know what lives you took? What your father took? 
Would he probably crack open the spine of some child and christen this crusade for you? You've never had to pick a side. You never had to run. To truly run. You probably have thought all along that this art is some imitation. The reason that I do what I do is to connect the people. And that flea-bitten dog that you're so unworried about. You'll be sorry when he finally bites your hand. Do you think that one more flea-bitten dog from a city of flea-bitten dogs means anything to the eagle flying in the sky? You say they're just numbers to me? They're not even that. We are here for a purpose. If you can help me fulfill that purpose, then you're of use to me. If you can't, then you might as well have died down below. I know what it is to run from a power greater than any you can imagine. You saw his armies crucify your city. I have been tortured by his hand in person. You are a flea-bitten dog, and a rabid bite is nothing compared to the flinching talons of that eagle. Kimmon, do you have nothing to say about this? Kimmon, how distracting is the swirling spirit of the raccoon that has entered the room? Kimmon starts to respond, stops picking his teeth with the tip of his dagger, and then his head cocks to one side, and I see this fat raccoon. Did you feed that spirit? What? Kimmon drops to all fours and, like, kind of shuffles up to the raccoon and gets really close to it. I turn around and see the fat raccoon. I thought I told you to go home. It raises its paws up at you and claps its paws together a few times. What type of spirit is this? I, 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 I raise one of my pieces of soul glass to my eye and I'm looking real close at it. Spout lore, I think? That's a seven. Something interesting. Yeah, this raccoon's spirit is a fae. That makes a ton of sense as well, because it is actually a raccoon in the world, right? Like, it's not just a ethereal thing. It has physical form like Socks did. Kimmon can see the actual spirit of it swirling around it, but yeah, it does have a physical manifestation as a raccoon. Kimmon slowly turns his head. Did you feed this? Yeah, a little bark. It looked hungry. Well, they're yours now. Did you think this was a raccoon? Where was it? There was, there's like a small blush, but you can't see it in the dark. Asmelio has to like recognize that he found a raccoon in a box. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it was in a chest. Chest. It was hungry. I look at the raccoon. It does the thing with its paws again. I bet. What are you saying? It's like bonded to me or something? It's not a raccoon. It's a fae. Yeah. Who knows what kind of court this thing could be associated with. Like looking at it from side to side. Seems harmless. For now. I doubt it'll leave you alone, though. Ugh. Fine. <clears throat> Fine. Hey, you. Yeah, you. As it, like, darts back and forth between the two. You stick with me, then. And I pull out a little bit more of this fruit bark. Oh, yeah, it saunters its big booty over to you and grabs it. I'm going to grab it around by the waist as it's eating and try and basically tuck it into my pack. It goes in there and just starts digging. Don't eat everything. It will. (laughs) 
stop and i like elbow it as it as it is munching around looking for more food this fey raccoon has crawled into Melio's pack. You feel him moving around, scrunching around. It's um, substantially heavier than it was. You've probably added a 30 pounds. All right, you two done. You can have all your damn squabbles you want. If either of you get me killed, I will haunt you. And I'm not fucking joking. Melio can't help but crack a slight smile. We're fine. Let's get out of this damn place. Smells like shit. We move up into the main foyer. I need to rest. I've lost a lot of blood. Yeah, I know. I followed it upstairs. We should camp away from the tower. I've lost a lot of blood. And I don't relish being here one more minute than I have to. I know you lost a lot of blood. I followed it upstairs. Did you all take in the view upstairs then? I was a little busy bleeding everywhere. No. Saw where we came from. That weird skeleton moving across the lands. Saw where I came from, which was this forest. And then you said it was like a bone, bone-based, like... My notes just call it Bonehenge. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> then there was... Uh, what seemed like a ceremonial place made out of bones. Of the three, if we're looking for rest, we might want to try there. When I was in the forest, I ran into some skeletons. Just animated. Just chopping down trees. It wasn't too bad, but I don't know if we needed to deal with them right now. The last time we went to that other skeleton. Why don't we just make camp outside of the tower? There's plenty of places that aren't Filled with bones. We can find a nice high place where we can have plenty of vision around us and just make camp there. Bones have not been terribly good to us so far, so there's no reason to assume that anything will be different now. Sounds good to me. As long as you're happy. When I look over at Arizidi and then lead the way outside the tower. Yeah, if you guys are going to camp outside of the tower, you guys can go ahead and pull up the camp in the vulture lands move and then establish rolls. Since I have the highest int, I assume manager? That's one way to do it. <laughs> I was going to potentially say that you should scout because it sounds like you were the one trying to pitch that you guys should stay here. <laughs> yeah, I could see that being the logic behind wanting me to be a scout. I do think you should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, these are going to continue to rotate around, right? I will say in the three, I think I am the observer of any of them. Just because I know our surroundings, I told them about them. So mm, that makes sense. I really like the scene of me doing uh, almost like the, the Luke thing where I'm like looking on, looking at the sunset as it goes down and looking upon the landscape and being like, bones everywhere. <laughs> are you going back up the tower then to do this? I'm into that. All right. Interesting. That's kind of, that kind of sounds fun. Cool. And I, I don't feel like it's super bad, and I don't have a bloody nose, so it's not like I think that anything is connected to this fucking tower. It also sounds like maybe strangely you was like, I'm going to go be alone. I'm going to go be alone and brood and think about my art. That leaves you with the manager. Very good. <laughs> Should we roll them in order? Or? Yep, yep. I mean, uh, you guys could roll them all at once, but describe the scenes in order. 
<laughs> well, fuck you me. got the snake eyes. I, Let's go. I roll the one. <laughs> God. You are picking around kind of the base of where these roads split. This tower's tucked a little bit into a hillside. And I think you find a little crevice there that maybe you guys could camp in. And you kind of hop down into it, perhaps while Melio has gone to the top of the tower and Kimmon is sorting through all of your supplies. And uh, after you hop down, almost immediately there is a scrambling of pale limbs, skin stretched tight over a wiry frame, the limbs a little bit too long. There's something down here. And as you try to backpedal, the thing you catch in this dark crevice more than anything else is the gnashing of bright teeth. What do you do? Yeah, Urzidi pulls out Talon, and I'm going to draw upon my sword magic. Hell yeah. That's 13. I hold three. So it's just this one thing that's down in this crevice. Seems so, yes. As I drop into my sword magic, I think the camera pitches into that kind of grainy, like when Frodo puts on the ring visuals, and you see this this figure with its hand in Urizidi's back. JD, will you give me one detail about this figure? Because we've talked about what this thing is. Out of the vaguely outlined shapes of a face, the vague shapes of eyes and a mouth is constantly churning smoke. The graininess kind of solidifies into constantly blowing sand around Urizidi. The camera snaps back into what we would consider reality, and Urizidi swings Talon down towards this pale creature's head, and the blade blurs into, like, shimmering, glittering sand, almost like a a sandblaster, into the top of this thing's skull. And you just get to roll to deal your damage, correct? Correct. Yeah, go ahead and do so. That is 10 damage. How do you kill it? Yeah, I think it looks like an intense blowing cylinder of like sand. It doesn't cut through this thing's head so much as like obliterates a line through its head. I picture it as like a dust devil cutting through it. It's like carving through the through this thing's face. Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, these small beady eyes go scattering in this wind and the rows of teeth clatter along the crevice wall as this little miniature cyclone rips it apart. I have no idea what this thing was. I just know that it's dead now and Razidi feels pretty fucking pleased with himself after getting his ass just kicked by skeletons. <laughs> you can use this crevice then as a relatively safe location to camp out for the night as long as you don't mind the small corpse that now lies inside of it. Yeah, Urizidi's not dragging that shit out of there. He killed it. So what this means is, come in now as you're going to dish out supplies to everybody. You can describe your manager move and make the roll. We talked about this um, from last time that this was a little convoluted particularly. So I changed up the manager move. It's a little different now and I'll read it out as we go. Okay. So I, I'll just read it again. Manager, when you take inventory and hand out supplies, roll plus int. On a 12 plus, choose one, gain plus one D6 HP. Dispense some reflection on your travels and everyone takes one XP. On a 10+, plus, you have plenty to go around. Everyone can rest, heal half their HP, and level up if they have the required XP. 
on a seven through nine, things are sparser than you would like. Each player can choose to take minus one D6 HP healed or marketability for the following day. On a six minus, something has spoiled or rotted. The party takes minus one ongoing to the manager move. This can add up, and then there's a tracker for that. I think hopefully it's a little more streamlined and more interesting for you guys. This, this sounds good. This sounds yeah, good. We'll yeah. see how it feels. Do we lose the opportunity to level up on a seven through nine? No, I should clarify that. You are correct. I should say on a hit, you have plenty to go yeah, around. on a hit. Then, yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. That, that was what I was going to say, just to make sure. Oh, okay. So yes, on a hit at all, you guys can rest, heal half your HP and level up. But then also on a 7 through 9, you can individually choose a minus 26 to that HP or marketability. But you can still level up. Gotcha. Oh, so yeah, like exactly. half your HP. So like my half my HP is 10. Yep. But I could choose if... If Nathan rolled a seven through nine. nine I could choose to take like, let's say I rolled a four. I could choose to heal six, but I could still level up. Yes. Yep. Gotcha. So hearing the scuffle in the in the crevice, Kimmon comes running down and sees the corpse of this thing. And after a bit of conversation, Kimmon ends up dragging it out of the crevice, huffily. I'm just too tired. <laughs> I end up dragging it out, Madam. Sorry, I don't want to spend much time on that. And then making a fire in the crevice and cooking what rations we have. I'll go ahead and roll now, and then we'll go from there. That's an eight. Hell yeah. So things are sparser than we would like. You can still level up and all of that, and you can still heal your HP, but each of you must individually choose whether you're going to accept uh, minus 1d6 to what you get back for hit points or marketability for tomorrow. I will personally heal a d6 less. I chose a d6 less. I am healing 8, so I'm back to 19 hit points. I healed 3 less, but I'm, I'm back to full, which is 14 for those keeping track at home. Then I'll, I have a little thing to do. I looked at my stuff, and I don't think that any of the abilities work in this particular scenario. I already have sick from Khan from the coughing earlier, and I'm just going to take the D6 less. I thought about like staying up longer than everyone else to watch what's going on around, but none of them don't particularly ring out to me, so I'm just going to take the minus one D6, which will be four, so I'll heal minus four is five, so I'll go to 15. Kimmin, you said that you wanted to describe a little bit more. I make rock soup or whatever, you know. And Kimmin walks up to the top of the tower. Hey, soup's done. Yeah, how's he doing? Cleared it out. I don't know what was in there, but it's not in there anymore. How are you doing? I hold up my hand. Most of the blood's cleaned off, but there's still, a, you know, a bandage stuck to it. Been better. How are you? Also been better. I know the kid said that I was dead, which I don't like. But I'll admit to you, I think I did die for a minute down there. This place doesn't seem natural to that type of thing. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> it's not, uh, we're not properly connected to the spirit world here <coughs> what about this guy and I point to my backpack what's his whole deal you've maybe laid your pack on the ground just while you're researching and come in you just see his, its big fat raccoon butt sticking out of the bag 
that's why we're short on supplies, which we'll get into in a second. Don't know. Won't talk to me. Likes you. Well, hopefully he doesn't just eat our food and hang out. At that point, Kim in like pushes the raccoon out of the pack and goes to grab some of you know hard tack or whatever sort of soup accompanying item we have. Yeah. Well, he did. <laughs> <laughs> I push him out of your pack and he's chewing on your fiddle. Uh, stop! Come on! Come on! This isn't even food. I like, swat him on the nose. As you swat it, it gives you like a shocked look. It's not food. Why are you mad at me? It stands up and holds its paws to its chest. <laughs> it's not my fault you don't know what food is. I've got a weird feeling about that. Yeah. But don't worry, I'll bring you some extra soup. Get some sleep, do. The raccoon starts hopping down the stairs. Oh, oh, you want to follow him now, huh? I just huck it back up the stairs and he <laughs> lands in a heap at the top. I grab him by the scruff of his neck and I put him down next to the the area. You said there was like a three foot wall. He's on top of that looking out with me. He said he'd bring me extra. You can have the extra. Kim, in when you get back to the cooking bowl of soup, the raccoon is there holding an ornate bowl. Is he also with me just for like the out of character? You don't ever notice him leave. I don't notice him leave. Okay, cool. I look down at it. You say an ornate bowl. What's it look like? Maybe a red clay bowl that's just been decorated with some blue and yellow geometric design coloration to it. A clearly well-crafted clay bowl. Not anything you recognize. God. I still have hold left. <laughs> can I see what this thing actually is now? We established that if you're... If I have hold, I can, like, see into... So you see the energy swirling around it. I don't think you can see it the way that... No, I don't think it's precise, but I know that it's, you know, something beyond a raccoon. I mean, I did tell you that, too, but now you know. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is this? Some kind of hunger spirit? Maybe. I've seen them. It's hard to tell. But when spirits come asking for something, I wouldn't recommend saying no. Plus, I told Melio I'd give him extra. Look at the raccoon. You can have the extra. Normally, I'd say get rid of it, but I think I've tempted... Fade enough for one day. Welcome to the crew, little one. Yeah, I think the the big difference is that you can see how large the it actually the is. churning spirits are. Yeah, I get real close to the raccoon. Now, can I trust you to take Melio his portion? It bears its teeth in a kind of smile at you. Thought not. We can maybe transition to the observer. Kim in, when you come up with Melio's portion of soup, the raccoon is sitting on the edge like it was when Melio put it there, eating out of that bowl, scooping it up with its paws and shoving it in its mouth. I just wink at the raccoon. It gives you that same smile again. Take it away, Melio. I just look out in the darkness. From where our fire is, I can probably pinpoint a couple of things, but I think I just look, and I think I probably fixate on the skeleton moving across the land more than anything else. Because that is, I think, some big lumberous thing that's a focal point under the moon. The slightly brighter haze, but yes. Yeah. It's probably more so that you can just hear the bones moving across the land in that kind of like slow, like slow quaking 
and I'm just waiting, vigilant, for anything that might move a little bit more quickly. I've got a good spot to see all around me. Yeah, definitely. Go ahead and give me the roll for Observer plus Con. I am six, so it's plus zero. And it's a six, because it's plus zero. Uh, All right, we'll cover this in a second. I want to take another break. Yeah, I'm going to just mark an XP. Oh, we did establish that uh, Kimmon is there. We could potentially aid, actually. Think about it. Think about it. He said we did establish that Kimmon is there. Oh, oh, second. You could attempt an aid. I love love this raccoon. (laughs) Yeah, the raccoon did. I hope that uh, that question about asking you to describe uh, a part of this thing. Oh no, it, it was great. Was it? I, I was just like, oh yeah, no, this is a cool place to start like I- introducing what's going on. I think so. Yeah. It's a good idea. I think just in terms of like you know, it's a secret, but it's like not. Yeah, yeah. So no, I think it's good. I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah, no, me too. I have I chose to level up, so I'm taking signature weapon from fighter. With, oh uh, shit. sword and sorcery mostly because oh, like shit. i realized that this class is supposed to be a tank and right. uh i can't i can't do it the way i built it mm. so this gives me reach which i already had but i felt like okay like i have to pick a range tag right with it precise which lets me use my dexterity mm. i feel like is more in Urizidi's wheelhouse and serrated there you go the plus one plus damage one. right yeah. yeah yeah sick Wait, is serrated just plus one? I thought it yeah. serrated was like... No, because you can take serrated and hooks and... Oh, Or, or yeah, like, yeah. yeah, and you can you can get plus two damage. Mm-hmm. I do have plus two damage because this is also my sorceress blade. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, it, like, any weapon I make my sorceress blade has uh, plus one damage. So cool. I do, I do get now plus two damage, but that was less important and more the fact that, like, nothing else made, made sense. sense. Yeah. But it's mostly because when I if I get to six through ten levels with this character, taking the the like being able to talk to whatever this thing is that goes in there, yeah, 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 cool. Oh yeah, you had the opportunity to aid if you wanted. I mean, you really don't have to stretch that much. Like you're also up there, you can also help look at things. Oh, what I what I want to do. Is give Melio a soul glass disc for you to look through. That's great. That's what I thought. Yeah. I think that's cool narratively, as well, because we had been talking about how this place is dead. As long as JD's okay with that. Yeah, isn't, totally. Isn't okay, of course. No. Hey. Yeah. Might be able to see a little better with this. I I hold out a. A half dollar size of soul glass. One of your little trinkets. Sure. It's a little difficult to focus sometimes, and especially if you're not trained. But it might help. Yeah, Amelia laughs a little bit about the especially if you're not trained. I take the soul glass and like try and look through it. I guess I'm playing off the light that's coming through the fog and I think looking through the soul glass helps you see better through the fog. It like clarifies through that haze, but it does strain your eye to look through. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. Go ahead and roll an eight. So that's an 11. Very good. So in this case, a seven through nine, you're not going to be caught off guard by anything approaching, but you're not necessarily going to have the advantage over it either. So I think the way that I want to establish this is that 
You do see some movement at some point in the night. Pale figures reflecting the slight moonlight amplified by this piece of soul glass, kind of standing out as a bright pink moving across the landscape toward that crevice where Kimmin and Urizidi both are asleep, I assume. You do recognize these as similar to the creature that was following you along the road. Viewers would recognize these as similar to the creature that Urizidi found in that crevice originally. These long-limbed, frail figures. Even from here, their teeth gleaming. What do you do? I see them running towards my camp. Yes. Shit. I start running down the stairs towards my compatriots. Because these things are running like hounds, right? On all fours, yes. Yeah, on all fours, quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I start making my way down. There was a splash of light from the warm, dull moon. And through the soul glass that I was given, I see them. Just see those shoulders moving throughout the darkness. Like these quick like slices of musculature coming up through the darkness. But in this case, they're highlighted by this like pink of the soul glass. I start running down because I have to get to them. They're inside of a crevice. Like I can't just yell down to them. They're not just below me. And so I have to run through this goddamn thing to get to them. You will get there before these creatures, but only a brief second or two. Yeah. What do you do? I just yell out, get up! And I brandish my blade as I, like, slide across the gravel. I feel like I'm getting there, like, close to impact, where they're going to, like, leap upon. Yes, absolutely. And I'm going to try and sledge this thing right into its fucking sternum. As yeah, you're just underhanded leap. cutting it, yep, it just, sounds gah! like. Yep. Sick. Yeah. Tighten, tighten the grip right up to the neck and just... Mm. It's definitely leaping at you, so give me a hack and slash. You guys are on equal footing here. They are moving quick. That's the Chimera special, by the way, is holding holding an axe right right, <laughs> yeah, right, right, yeah, right at the neck. I don't... I, I never I, get how an axe it. is kind of supposed to be used? Oh, really? <laughs> I mean... Yeah, when you're fighting, when you're fighting yeah. with it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I got a nine, which is great. Equal footing. Go ahead and roll your damage. Five. You strike this thing with the bearded axe, and it hits hard. It sinks deep in its chest. The skin, muscle, and bone tears away pretty easily. This thing's still alive, but it's going to be in rough shape. However, as you swing up with it, it brings these multiple rows of teeth down and bite into your forearm. Take best of 2d6. Yikes. I'll take four. Does armor apply? Armor will apply, but it is biting a chunk of your flesh out of you. It bites a good chunk out of my forearm. Like my axe is in its sternum and it bites my arm. Fuck. Oh, you know, like when you get attacked by dogs or by a wolf, (laughs) you know, you would try and like throw it to the ground, right? I'm just trying to throw it on its shoulders to hopefully break them. Give me a defied injury plus strength. I think the other one is running right past you towards your compatriots. Sounds good. Uh, That's a seven. You can put some force into this and deal your damage to it, but it it will get an attack back on you, or you can just hurl it off of you. You know, this is a dangerous situation, but I think Melio is going to take responsibility for this. I was the one looking out, so I think I have to try and end this thing's career. So I'm going to try and deal my damage to it, and it can deal its damage to me. So I think you turn yourself over with your axe handle, right, and smash it into the ground, and its claws just tear at you. Yeah. So go ahead and roll your damage. A three. That'll kill it. 
Cool. And then it's going to deal um, 1d6 damage to you with two piercing as its claws tear at you. Cool. All right. It'll be a two with two piercing, so it'll get in for the whole two. And yeah, you can describe the scene as you kill it. Much as you kind of set it up, I hurl it over to the side as I was trying to break its back on the ground and its paws extend. Then I have the dominant position, so I just send my axe into its throat, but the claws just still come out. They scrape me. It just probably gets a real good scrape across the chest. So we'll have some black blood and probably some bile coming out, like spit over top of it as it's dead in the dirt. The two of you, Uruzidi and Kimmon, just barely, I think, wake to Melio's shouting to try and get you awake. But what really hits you is the immediate scrambling, gnashing of teeth and claws running full bore into your little campsite, your little crevice. What do the two of you do? Kimmon's the first up, and also, I'm a paranoid bastard. So I think that I have my wits enough about me. I'm going to kick the embers of the fire into its face and try to blind it. Fuck yeah, that rules. Ooh, sweet, yeah. <laughs> Give me a Defy Danger plus intelligence for quick thinking. That's a good intelli roll. That's a six. That's a bad. Oh, hold on. Can Urzidi get that aid? Yeah, what do you got? I think as... Kimmon is kicking sparks in this thing's face to slow it down. Urazidi is going to, from laying down, not a kipping up, but like in like a Wu Zhai film. The like swinging leg up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To get up and try to <laughs> knock this thing over. So you're just trying to catch it and like maybe keep it back from you in order to give enough time. Urazidi notices Kimmon go to like kick sparks in this thing's face. Okay. And just like trying to kick the back of its heels and knees and just get it to like stumble enough to give us a moment to get ready. Sure. I'm into it. That's a seven. This pushes you up to a seven, Kimmon. So it's going to succeed. Oh, yeah. You kick these ashes, coals, and embers across the wall, but this is such a small crevice, the sparks catch all of you, and all of you are blinded. Mm. All of you meaning all three of us, or the... The, the, yeah. the ghoul included, plus Urazidi and Kim in. Okay. Because Melio's outside of the crevice, he's not affected at this point. Just making sure. Yeah, gotcha. In the timeline, he's still scrambling with his uh, critter. The two of you can blindly get into a fight with this thing. I think there is a definite scrambling. It's mostly sounds for everybody. You'll probably get a couple of brief scratches, each of you, but nothing actually serious. Just, you know, the random scrabbling that's going on right now as you all try to sort it out. So Urzidi, not really able to see this thing more than, like, feel its presence close to him, is going to swing the blade in almost like a around-the-world kind of pattern, like up around his head and... Just trying to, well, if I swing this kind of at head height in front of me where I know this thing kind of is, maybe I'll clip it and either have a better idea of where it is or or like deal some serious damage to it. It ends up kind of just being a hack and slash ultimately, but I feel like take a minus one to it. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, Jesus <laughs> Snake Christ. Snake eyes again? Burn those fucking dice, the like melt fuck? them into the ground. That is... Let's see, two plus two is four, minus one is three. Go ahead and roll your damage. Oh, no. Ooh, oh I got No, I don't I want to take this damage. God Ooh, damn it. That's seven. Oh! <laughs> oh! 
<laughs> Kim and you're going to take seven damage. Yeah. Uruzidi, you feel your glaive make contact with flesh, but you hear Kim and grunt. Actually, no, Kim and barks in pain. We haven't really touched on that. No. <coughs> As Kim and, like goes spilling to the ground and coughing his ruined throat, barks a couple times. And then Uruzidi, you are taken to the ground by something. We'll probably stick with you and handle you since Kimmon is potentially recovering, but I want to see what you do. You smell rot on its breath. I'm going to have a an opportunity here for you, potentially on your roll. We're coming up close on that time. Equity. Yeah, and I, I'm sprinting over the crevasse, pulling a bow back, but there's all the smoke from the embers is rising, so I'm looking through the haze of the embers that were kicked up. So it's raised smoke trying to locate the point of the beast, how it's moving. And I probably just bark out like, stand still, because I'm trying to shoot it because it's this big fucking creature. As soon as it leaps, I'll just try and shoot it through the heart. But it's kind of obscured because A, it's nighttime. B, the moon doesn't even shine light through. And C, we've got fucking smoke riling up. Hold up. I want to set you up for having, like, a really good shot at this thing. Mm. Yeah. One of the things with sword magic is take away an enemy's advantage or give an ally advantage. I obviously need to roll for sword magic. Yeah. But I want to punch it up, like, with magic to where it's up off of me and then gives you, like, the perfect shot into its back. I like that a lot. So I'm, like, stand still and you're, like, bam. Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. I think you're just positing the opposite. So rather than Melio aiding you, you're essentially attempting to help. Aid Melio. Right, but using your own move. So, yeah, I think that totally follows. I love it. Go ahead and roll your sword magic. That's a 10. So I get three hold. Excellent. Immediately spend one of them to give Melio advantage. You like blast this thing off of you. I see it as like the dust in this canyon coalesces into like a us two solid pillars over my shoulder and just punches this ghoul up into like a standing position. Yeah, I think what that really just does is gives Melio the narrative to volley normally, right? Yes. Yeah. Does that does that follow? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Go ahead and roll that volley then as you loose an arrow. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's a four. <laughs> so I'm trying to shoot an arrow through the fucking back of this monster. So we're all just dealing damage. <laughs> <laughs> he shoots Kim into him. No, please don't. No, I do think it is pretty fun, though, to have him shoot Urizidi. I'm, I'm not against that. <laughs> I push him up off of me, but he was aiming at where the thing was. Yep. It's <laughs> just a miscoordination yeah. of the timing. He was expecting you to hold him there on top of you, and instead you pushed him (laughs) back. So I think the arrow hits you instead. Two. Two damage. Armor applies. One damage. Not too bad. I think it's one of those things where your shoulder meets your neck, zips right through that space. Oh, yeah. Ow. It hurts, but it's not like damaging. Yeah. Right? Like it's close to being damaging, but there's like a lot of meat there. I shoot the bow and I fucking miss, which is just frustrating. And I'm going to do like a Gimli situation where I just grab my bearded axe and I just frog splash into this crevasse. Like, ah! And I'm just trying to get on its back and just start hacking at its fucking ribs to kill this thing. Yeah, fuck yeah. We'll get to you. You're leaping into the embers. Kimmon, this creature stumbles backwards and like trips over itself next to you, giving you an opportunity here to potentially hurt it. What would you do? I'm on the ground coughing and rubbing at my eyes, and I just feel it thud on the ground near me. 
and instinctively I reach to my side and grab my dagger. I'm going to just jump and blindly stab it. Hell yeah. Give me a hack and slash. You're still going to take this minus one to it. That's an eight. Fantastic. Roll your damage. Well, one damage. <sighs> All right. It's also scrambling and clawing at you. So go ahead and take a 1d6 of damage with two piercing. Six. Of course. Ouch. All right. Yeah, it starts tearing at your chest. I think it's on top of you, right? But then, Melio, you come falling down on top of it. Ah! You can go ahead and give me a hack and slash as well here. You're not going to take the minus one to it. Everybody's minus ones are cleared for the blinded. It's all good now. Seven. Same thing. Exchange some damage as you fall onto it. You're going to land on it, but it's going to be able to twist around right and try and get at you. Six for it. Okay. One or zero for me. One with uh, one armor, so zero for me. Sorry, yours is going to be a best of 2d6 again. It's going to bite you. Oh, okay. Okay, that's fine. Oh, that's also a one, so I guess that's uh, zero for me. <laughs> nice. Get fucked, you fucking animal. Ah! Because you were going to kill it, the scene that I had in my head is that as you fall down, you bring this axe through and chop its head off. And then with a with a final like leap of its jaw, it's going to bounce at you and bites down on you. But it doesn't make it through your armor. These multiple rows of teeth just not being strong enough anymore in its death throes to bite through. So you're not going to take any damage. Yeah, wonderfully. You kind of see the, the haphazard like, huh, they made like dense in my arm but they didn't pierce and i just sidestep out of it as this dead husk sits on the ground yeah you guys are sitting not dead in a very smoky chamber <laughs> there's no more of these things there was just the two no that was it yep now is the time that you guys can activate the share at the campfire move that's when you can like tell a story yeah, you sing a song, tell a story, brainstorm plans, recall a memory with your companions, and then everybody who's listening, you guys take advantage or disadvantage when aiding and interfering the next day. So it would just keep that going. Oh, okay. Urazidi kneels down and like pulls up the one that you killed first, Emilio, although it's still relatively intact, and kind of drags it into the firelight. Is my nose still bleeding? No, it's not. You can stop doing that. I think you've recovered enough. It's been enough time. Good. My father, he had some of these. And Rizzi, like, sets it up against the wall. A particularly good reward for a soldier's life served well. Though, I have a feeling this one can't say it shared that great honor. Clearly, no one had preserved its corpse. But, (laughs) well... We are in barbaric lands. Have you heard of the Legion of the Undying? I have only heard of the Torn Rack. Are they the same thing? (laughs) I have no idea what the Torn Rack are, but that's hardly the point. The Legion of the Undying, clad in gold, gifted with eternal life. This Legion, those who serve and can never die. They have to be hacked apart before they stop. And I think, verging on like the edge of hysteria, Razidi sits down, staring at this corpse, puts his head in his hands, and whispers kind of to himself, that is what I face when I go back. Melio hears this. You know, you don't have to go back. I know 
that you want to claim something for yourself. But for me, for my worth, you can become someone else. Who you were doesn't have to be who you are. We could leave this shit. You know that. The reason I'm here is because of something that I was interested in. The guy I'm working for, he's interesting. He's kind of smart. I know he said he was a flea-bitten dog, but you might have a way of toppling down what you're afraid of. I won't trade one master for another. I am prophesized. I will become the master. My footsteps laid out before me from before the day I was born. <laughs> Kimmins leaned up against the walls of the, the cavern, packing the gash across his chest with herbs. You know who else probably has their footsteps laid out before them? That raccoon in Melio's pack. No, I think it's in the soup bowl now, licking the pot. <laughs> that raccoon eating the last of the soup out of the pot. You know, things like that in the right town are gods. <laughs> they just keep bringing it food. <laughs> I think it looks at me a little offended. Oh, you take it. Stop. Prophecies aren't all they're cracked up to be. <laughs> and deities are even less. Urzidi hefts Talon, and in the flickering firelight, you can see that it's changed. The weld pattern in the blade has gone from being like pretty standard, where you can't really see the layering in the in the blade, to a weird, almost impossible double helix twisting of the metal. And the the haft, where it once looked like a wood with like a regular grain, has gone to it looks the grain looks twisted, almost like a cyclone. Gods may not be all they're cracked up to be, Kimmon, but you, before anyone, should know that there are other things than gods in this world that can set your feet upon a path. Perhaps this king that Melio serves will provide a momentary rifle to my father, but he is used to dealing with external threats. If you think an army will disturb him, you are wrong. It must come from within. It must come from one he does not expect. Urzidi like titters almost on the edge of like exhausted breaking and then leans back casually like laying down and that is why I was born Gemin I've laid out the body prostrate of this beast I step on the center of its chest hoping to break open the ribs can you harvest anything from this you mean spiritually or is it just dead I promised Isht I'd take him back to law I don't have room for another one. I'm working, though. Can't Baba give you some space amongst your jewelry? Later. I said I'm working. They don't usually like to stick around, but we're not usually in a place like this. All right, then. When I crush its larynx under my foot, 
we should get some sleep. Yeah. Oh, my boy, my sweet chunky boy. I will name him Vincent. Oh. <laughs> He's got such haunches to show you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that tickled me. <laughs> You've probably added a 30 pounds. Jesus. My sister has a 40 pound husky, and so I'm just imagining. <laughs> This is a big boy. A fucking 30 pound raccoon. <laughs> That's a thick a raccoon. Fat boy. Yeah, Vinny's Vinny's twenty pounds. Well, he's less now, but he is he, he maxed out at about twenty pounds. That's what, that's kind of what I was assuming. So a little so we're talking a little bit more tubby than Vinny. Okay. A Vinny and a half. A Vinny Jesus. and a half, yeah. Yeah. JD, before the raccoon gets put in the pack, does it react to Urazidi any differently? Um I don't like you. <laughs> I look yeah. like you look like a bitch. <laughs> a big thick raccoon. It's just a fat boy. <laughs> I have such notches to show you. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get um. It's my new tramp stamp. <laughs> I have such I have, to, I have such thighs to show it's, you. It's yeah. th- a very thick pinhead. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> <laughs> His eyes are crossed. <laughs> Just fucking pinhead doing the Aheago. <laughs> the dragon or the drawing has like <laughs> like pronounced thick. <laughs> That's so like highly stupid. That's definitely a tattoo I will advocate for Nathan Kitty. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> right, like the tongue sticking out. There's just little spittle marks. Oh, I'm sorry, Nathan. We got a $200 patron, and he he says that he he wants the thick pinhead tattoo. <laughs> you know, I'm not even sure that's 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 not even near the bottom of the list of things people could ask for. I also wanted like the traditional inking style too. Yeah. For some reason, it looked funny. Oh, it, oh, it, no, has, it, has, the, it has the banner bad. across, and the yeah. banner says, yeah. I, have, "I have such haunches <laughs> yeah. to show you." <laughs> I th- <laughs> uh, I'm gonna, if it's going on me, it's gonna say thighs. I have yeah. such thighs to show you, but still, um, it's it's not going on any of us. I can tell you that much. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, 